Pulse Audio Podcast Network. We're going to tell you the stories that your textbooks don't. Tales of women and herstory, because your courses won't face the way that they hide the past. Keep women in the shadows and our eyes downcast. Welcome to Whining About Herstory, a women's history podcast run by two best friends that drink some wine and talk about women from history you may not have heard of, but probably should have. I'm Kelly. Oak, snap, crackle, and pop. That intro was amazing. And I am Emily. Yay. That was so cute. It, w- was that like the... Based on history, history history hates lovers. Yeah, Yeah, history hates lovers. If you guys haven't heard that song, it's about like queer erasure in history, and it is really good. um, God, that song slaps. It Um, bops. Welcome to our transitionary episode after an impromptu vacation due to covering the same woman, Kelly, forgetting to upload audio, and Kelly actually going on vacation. Yes. (laughs) When you said impromptu vacation, I'm like, I don't think that's how you describe like. Going My on a vacation, vacation wasn't impromptu. <laughs> a two-week break in the podcast was. Yeah, yeah. And like, I thought about messaging you because I I went to edit. I mean, I if like, I was already in Florida, there was no way you were getting that. Exactly. Audio. But that's why I was just like, you know what, Kelly doesn't fucking need to know. She can just enjoy her vacation. And I do feel bad. You know what, everyone? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. So y'all are dripping for us right now. Right. Everyone that's like, I was caught up, and you're like, well, now you got to wait two weeks, and so now you're. Just like salivating and dripping in other places as yeah, well. Yeah, it's amazing. You're wet with anticipation. You're wet with anticipation. <laughs> I like that. Oh my God. Um, I actually uh, referenced this podcast for a job I applied for and now I'm seriously regretting that decision. <laughs> But I, you know I, I always mention the pot like because when cause, like, I never say the name though. oh yeah that's 100% true because like both for my classes which at this point I'm like we've been the same cohort for going on three years now. Stop making us introduce ourselves. But, you know, everyone's always like, introduce yourself and say one interesting fact. So I always mention that I have a podcast, but I never say the name of it. Yeah. I always conveniently leave out the name so people can't, like, look it up. I, I did ask, like, my co- the person that manages our cohort, like, I'm like, should I, like, what should I do about the whole, like, my name's out there on this podcast, which I'm not ashamed of our podcast by any means. Right. I just know it's not for everyone, and some people do have a problem with swearing. Some people don't like to be wet with anticipation. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I was like, oh, should I, like, you know, either practice under a different name or, like, try to take things, you know get my name off of this which usually we just use my first name so it's not like that bad. I was gonna there say, are some other people that have tagged me because I know I was on like drive with us and they used my full name which is yeah. fine but like I was asking her I'm like should I like figure this out and she's like it's really up to you and I'm like well and she's like you know like here's the thing do you talk about psychology I'm like very rarely like if I do it's in general terms I'm not like let me break the law and you know diagnose you because that is breaking the law um that's why if you ever see like a psychologist on youtube or twitch or anything like that they mm-hmm. specifically say i am giving general advice i am not your doctor i'm not your doctor go see your doctor you know if you have like questions and so like i was like no it has nothing really to do with psychology and she's like yeah so it's up to you. it's like it's completely up to you she's like but there are a lot of hoops you have to jump through if you want to practice in a different name and i'm yeah. like 
Fuck it. That's why I'm never changing my name. Because I love when I fill out an application, they're like, have you gone by any previous names? And I'm just like, no. And like, I just get to skip I always like section. add my maiden name, but I'm like, theoretically, I shouldn't that? have to. Yeah. Because like, you know, I've filled out all the doc- proper documents throughout my yeah. life. But I am just never know because like, yeah, there was one time where I needed something and they couldn't find, it was like at my eyeglasses clinic here in town and they started a completely new folder for me. So for a long time, I had two different folders, one under my name and one under, because I like couldn't find the other folder oh one time God. when I went in and I'm like, last time I went in though, I noticed they had combined the folders and I was like, good job guys. You know what I want to do? It's like, have you ever gone by another name? Well, for a long period from like middle school to high school, my nickname was Enu. So maybe that. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like they try to look it up. Like who's Enu? What the fuck is happening? Right, that'd be funny. <laughs> Enu Yasha everywhere. Yes. Oh my god. We're completely off track. I'm sorry. Well, okay. So, like Kelly said, this is our crossover episode. So it's like transition. Not yeah. Crossover. So it's like a halfway point between wrapping up our Black History Month and time History Month, and which honestly. It's all the same thing. Black women's history is women's history history is is black queer history is everything. I saw a shirt when I was in Florida and it was a guy wearing it and I was very happy. And it said it was like all overlapped, which was a little weird, but Mm -hmm. they made it work. And it said her story is history. And I was like, I like your shirt. Oh, my God. (laughs) Gotta love me a male feminist. Uh, But yeah, so my story was intended for Black History Month. Kelly's was not, but I I don't know. I felt I wrote my notes partially in Florida and partially here (laughs) after we covered the same woman. Yeah, we we were so into our Black History Month episode that we actually covered the same woman twice and just didn't record Kelly's notes, which I really appreciate because I worked really hard. Not that you didn't, well, yeah, but it, I, was I was super able to excited. like add stuff to yours, so it it ended up being just fine. Yeah, Doctor Ruth Temple is the shit. Name so nice, you say cover her twice. Heck yeah, <laughs> that's good. Good job. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, just a couple of like little house cleaning, housekeeping. What are we doing? House cleaning, keeping housekeeping, house cleaning, uh, housekeeping. A couple of Fluff pod your pod pod studio cleaning which probably should actually happen again, again. <laughs> we, we should probably just get rid of those boxes fuck those boxes speaking of I, we need to buy more wine yeast oh yeah it didn't ferment enough anyways oh my god i okay i've actually been too scared to ask you like are we still making wine we are or did but we, it we need to turn buy into more garbage yeast. <laughs> i just need to figure out what yeast uh yeast. okay Housekeeping, okay. fluffing pillows. So, because, yeah, let's fluff your pillows, your professional fluffers over here. In honor of Women's History Month, we are having a giveaway. Yeah, What's up? Giveaway. So, please follow us on all of our social medias. You can get an entry for every channel. Like, it's it's like yeah, if you so enter like if on you Instagram, go on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you'll you have get three, three entries. Yeah. So, the instructions are on there, but we are giving away. A they said a bad word coffee mug. They said a bad word. They said a bad word. It's really cute. A linguistic butchery canvas drawstring bag. I totally wore my shirt, my linguistic butchery <gasps> shirt, um, when we went mini golfing in Florida. It was great. Yes. Only day I got sunburned. <laughs> also, it was our last day there. You know why? Because you were on fire. fire. 
And then uh, Herstory seal of approval buttons, and they come five yep, to a package. Five pack. Yeah, so they're just they're just little buttons, but you, know, you can put them all over your shirt, your backpack, multiple Hand things. Them out to people. Give them to your friends. Throw them at people. It's yeah, fine. just chuck them into a crowd. Like you have my Herstory seal of approval, Chuck. Just make sure they're it's closed. Please don't throw open pins at people. Yeah, no, I I want to be liable for that. But just like a quick rundown: how to enter, like our social media page, like the post. Leave the name of your favorite gal that we've covered in the comments. Yep, and you have tag to another. listen to our show first. Yeah, I, we're, we're being serious about this. You don't get to represent us with our merch unless you actually, like, at least click on an episode and read one of the names the of one of the ones we cover. Like, you got to work a little bit for this. And then tag another Herstory lover. So... Pretty simple, pretty easy. And yeah, we're giving away three prizes because we've been doing this for three years, yep, which I definitely no, intended when I no created shipping this. shipping or anything. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll just send it directly to you. Yeah, just give us give us your address, your blood type, your social security number. It'll be great. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You the, can trust us. last three codes on the back <laughs> of your card. God you know, damn. I found out that apparently not all cards have them on the back. I think MasterCard has it on the front and mm. it's a four-digit code. I've seen those. I yeah. figured that out the other day because I was like taking a payment and I was like card number, expiration date, three digits on the back. And they were like, I don't have three digits on the back. And I'm like, what? And they're like, I have these four digits on the front. And I'm like, sure, we'll try that. Oh, my God. Can we just like get on the same page? Like, can we all get it's the same kind of phone charger? Just MasterCard. And I think that's why like so many places don't accept MasterCard. Can we all like, get you. the CVC numbers down? Can we all just like get on the same page, people? I know variety is the spice of life, but it's not necessary in every avenue. Right. <laughs> all right. Um, shit, who's going first you. today? Okay. Well, that's perfect because this is like... I'm bringing us, you know, out of Black History Month into Women's History Month, and you're bringing us like into Women's History Month. But I'm again, so excited for Black my Women's History is Women's History is history is everything. So, yes. so this is all the same, guys. So today I am covering Yay Asantiwa. Ooh. I thought you were just gonna say Yay, and I'm like, all yay! right, no, it's it's I don't amazing. Like that name. Yep, it's spelled Y A A. But when I looked at the pronunciation, they're like, yay! And I was like, oh. Oh my God, I love her. Asantiwa? Yeah, Asantiwa. So uh, this story takes place in present-day central Ghana, so I'm going to preemptively apologize for all the linguistic butchery. We're always we're always picking on France, but there are plenty of other places that we can't pronounce shit. Well, according to a Chattanooga native, we oh can't do God. Chattanooga accents either. So, oh yeah, yeah. Let's just shout that out really quick. We had an email from a listener who was like, first of all, this was such a nice email because yeah, the the all I saw when I logged into our email it says I love y'all, but yeah. dot dot dot, and I was like, oh God, what did we do? I love y'all, but. But yeah, they're like, oh yeah, you can't do a Chattanooga, Chattanooga accent. And I'm like, when were we trying, when were we talking I about that? I and like, what I, episode was that? I think it may have been when I covered the the girl who saved the train from going off the broken bridge. Like she climbed up the bridge and across the broken bridge to stop a train from going off a cliff because we were thinking like Chattanooga Choo Choo. <laughs> Or we covered someone in Chattanooga and we were still thinking of the Chattanooga choo-choo. Right. (laughs) I think, here's the funny thing. I don't actually know what a Chattanooga accent is. So I 100% guarantee we were just like making weird noises. We were were probably like super Southern. Yeah. That's probably, I've never even been to Tennessee. 
<laughs> right? Chat news in Tennessee. Right? <laughs> I don't know, Kelly. You're the only 10 I see. But oh! <laughs> All right, let's get on with this. Okay, so also, I... We're drinking wine today, not coffee, because it's a Sunday. You mean coffee, not wine? Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) We're drinking wine, not coffee. We're drinking coffee, not wine today, which is why we didn't introduce a wine. But I did get a new coffee creamer I can talk about. I got a new coffee creamer that was cinnamon roll. That's actually what I have in my coffee. It's so good. I have the, uh, the donut shop, like, apple... Sizzle. I don't know. It's like some kind of apple flavored coffee with the cinnamon roll. Oh, the so it's apple like, cinnamon or the apple caramel. Yeah, yeah, apple caramel with some cinnamon creamer. It's amazing. Yeah, I went to the store because I have to buy sugar free. I don't I guess I don't have. Well, no, I do. I have to buy sugar free creamer unless I want to be in the bathroom. Hold on. I think we need to. I think we need to open this up to our listeners. Does Kelly actually have to buy sugar free creamer? Let us crack this nut right now. <laughs> Tell me what I should do. No. <laughs> um. But so usually I get like French vanilla and. Italian cream, sweet cream, because those are usually the only ones. And then there's usually like a pumpkin, but I hate pumpkin flavored things, so I never buy that one. But I was really excited because I was at Hy-Vee and I was like, oh, you know. And at first I didn't see any sugar-free ones because they were hiding in the back. And then I saw like cinnamon roll and I was like, man, they never have the new flavors or the good flavors in Mm sugar-free because they just made a Rice Krispies one. And I'm like, I want to try that, but I don't want to be in the bathroom all day. Um, And then I saw a (laughs) sugar-free... don't uh cinnamon roll one and I was really excited so that's why I hope that's why it's the only one open of the three bottles of creamer I was gonna say I almost grabbed the I almost grabbed the silk almond one but it wasn't open I'm like I don't want to be the one that breaks the seal on that I don't live here all right so back to Ye who has the best name on the face of the planet so Ye Asantiwa was born sometime in 1840 pick a day just pick a day doesn't matter because we don't know Sunday Sunday Okay, she was born on a Sunday, a sunny Sunday. That's my Chattanooga accent. <laughs> that, that reminds me of like an old... going to come back as like, stop, please, like, Jesus. It reminds me of like an old Southern gentleman. And for some reason, the picture in my head when you were talking like that was like the Monopoly guy with like a cane, <laughs> like standing on a plantation front porch. Yes. That's, okay. Anyways, Love back it. to yay. Uh, so she was born in... Basis in present-day central Ghana, though at this time it was a part of the vast Ashanti Empire. Her brother, Afren Panin, would become the chief of a neighboring Edweso, but yay, who had a, like a pretty chill upbringing. She was working the land, cultivating crops. Her brother then appointed her the queen mother of Ijisu, a district in the Ashanti Empire. Ooh. So, you know, like she's doing her thing. Her brother's Getting like a done. big deal and is like, hey, do this. So she would enter into a polygamous marriage and have a daughter with her husband, but we really like don't hear a ton about that, so we're just going to move on, but that was part of her life. Well, Ye's life was pretty chill. That didn't mean the world around her was. Relatable. Throughout her life, she witnessed several events which threatened the Ashanti Empire, including a civil war that lasted from 1883 to 1888, and three, wow. three out of five of the Anglo-Ashanti Wars. Wow. Here's a little history lesson that I didn't know but feel like I should have. So the Anglo-Ashanti Wars were conflicts between British invaders and the Ashanti Empire. After Ye's brother died in 1894, she exerted her power as queen mother to make her grandson the new ruler of Ijisu. 
and I'm very sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And by if, I mean, I'm definitely pronouncing it wrong, but I couldn't actually find pronunciations for some of these words. That is the worst when you're like, I have no idea how to pronounce yeah. this. I'm going to butcher it. Let me at least try to find something. And then the internet's like, nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think our mics just cut out. No, we're good. Oh, maybe my headphones cut out. Did you unplug yourself? Oh. There we go. Emily unplugged herself. I, I have really old headphones. You looked very panicked for a second. And I'm like, what, 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 yep. what? No, I freaked out. It's fine. Um, okay, so she appoints her grandson as the new ruler. However, this was around the time, the same time as the fourth Anglo-Ashanti war. Because like they, they kept having wars and then just kind of like cooling down and then having another and cooling down. So it was more like one really long drawn out conflict with like brief intermissions. Yeah. That makes sense. So the previous Anglo-Ashanti War had ended in 1874 when the Ashanti signed the Treaty of Fomena. However, now the British were getting angsty in 1881, um, was known as the Partition of Africa or the Scramble for Africa began. And this was basically a period where Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Portugal, Spain, and Britain were all scrambling to claim vast territories on the African continent. So they're all, all these European countries are running around just going, first, first, this is mine, this is mine. And then they're getting into fights with each other because they're like, no, it's mine. No, it's I, was mine. A, I was in this corner yeah. and I got it first. And then the people who actually like live there are like, fuck me i guess they're like uh this is our land Thank yeah you like i'm sorry another tangent when we were when i was wearing my linguistic butchery shirt and we were um mini golfing i was like listening to the music in the background because you know it's like nah, 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 and it's like tropical because we were in like a congo themed and then i started listening to the lyrics and it was about how this land isn't ours and we like stole it from indigenous people and i was like I like hit my husband and I was like, listen to this song. Oh my God. I want to know what song that is. Yeah. I still, I should have Googled it while I was there, but I was just like, way to like subtly, like put in those things, mini golf course, like Good. way to go. I did not expect a mini golf I know, course same. to have such a hot take. And that's why I like sat there and I was like, <laughs> wow. Like it was talking about, yeah, how this land isn't ours. And like, we should like, it was just really interesting. Can I also just like, say, it, it makes me think of like the song pumped up kicks where it's like this really upbeat, you know, like you bop along to it, but then it's about some kid shooting that, his school. So and it's like, oh my God, like that's dark. But yeah, it's this like jazzy tropical music. Like we stole this land and it's not ours. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, let's talk about genocide. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Those are the best. Like those songs that are like super happy. <laughs> but then when you, you when you pay attention, you. you're like, this song is super dark. Yeah. Yeah. You can't you can't go onto the dance floor and be like, pumped up kicks, that's my jam. Like, no, please don't. <laughs> you can up until the point you realize what it's about yeah. and then tone it down. So Britain was worried that France or Germany would conquer the Ashanti Empire, and they decided to do it first. So, like, so Britain's got this tentative truce with the Ashanti empire. Like, okay, you do you, we do us, you know, we're, we're just gonna like, we both cool. Yeah. We cool. But then they're like, yeah, but you know, we're just expecting France and Germany to get their hands on the empire. So we're going to break this treaty and do it first, which I'm like dicks. Right. But, uh, but because the British wanted to be like super low key about their motivations, they claimed that the Ashanti emperor owed them 50,000 ounces of gold as stipulated in the Treaty of Fomena. Jesus. So they're saying that, 
oh, no, 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 we're not breaking the treaty. You guys fucked up. So now we're going to invade you. Like, Are you serious? Honestly, part of me is almost surprised that they even tried to make an excuse. I was like, you guys were just running around and like do whatever the fuck you want because reasons like. But you're going to blame everybody else for it. Yeah. So they use this as an excuse to start an all-out assault on the empire, which led to many Ashanti leaders being exiled to the Seychelles Islands, including Ye's grandson in 1896. This left Ye as the queen regent. So her grandson gets exiled and she's like, okay, I'm in charge. Let's do this. Next, the British set their sights on the golden stool. Dun, dun, dun. Right? What is the golden stool you Yeah, that was my question. (laughs) You're over there like making making it sound like all ominous. And I'm over here like, what is the golden stool? So this is this is actually pretty interesting. Like to us, the idea of we we would think of like a golden throne or even a chair, but a stool. We're like, what? But the golden stool is said to have been have descended from the sky and land on the lap of the first Ashanti emperor. It is a symbol of power, leadership, and spirituality, as it's said to house the spirits of all of those in the Ashanti Empire, past, present, and future. Wow. So this single item contains the souls of every person ever associated with the Ashanti Empire. Like, even if they're not born yet, they're in there. That's they're insane. in the stool. This thing came from heaven to like, it's, it's intense and the golden stool can never touch the ground. Instead, it's placed on a blanket or it will sometimes have its own throne or it'll be carried on a pillow, a pillow mm-hmm. and only the ruler is allowed to actually touch it. Wow. So big fucking deal. Yeah. And it's even featured on the Ashanti flag. There's just a golden stool in the middle of the flag. Yeah, no. So in short, it's a big fucking deal. So it's no surprise that Sir Frederick Mitchell Hodgson, British governor general of the Gold Coast, wanted to get his hands on the golden stool because this was the ultimate symbol of Ashanti life, power, spirituality, everything. If you have it, you're almost like almost like in charge of them. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't think it's one of those like, oh, you get the talking feather, you know, that kind of thing. And now we have to listen. But like if you have that, it's like you have the souls of that entire nation. It's a hugely it's a hugely important part of their culture. Yeah. So friendly reminder, don't trust anyone with three names like Frederick Mitchell Hudson. Yeah, no. Yeah, no one with three names can be trusted. That's actually, Kelly and I want to be so trustworthy. That's why we only use our first names. Yeah. We like only one need name. one name. That's all we need. Like Cher or Madonna. Yeah. Or Ashanti. There is a singer named Ashanti. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, my In God. In the back of my mind this whole time, every time you said it, I was like. I can't actually think of one of her songs, but I knew she was a singer. (laughs) So Frederick demanded that the Ashanti hand over the stool. The remaining members of the the Ashanti government, including Ye, met to discuss their options and how they could possibly return the exiled emperor to power. I really hope their option was tell them to fuck off. (laughs) So apparently an argument broke out 
and Ye stood to address everyone's. So everyone's like fighting over what to do next. And yeah, like, some people are like, we should save our people and give them the stool, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure. Other people like, are like trying to get the emperor back in charge. Yeah. Other, you know, it's, it's this whole thing. So everyone's arguing and Ye stands up and says, how can a proud and brave people like the Asante sit back and look while white men took away their kings and chiefs and humiliated them with a demand for the golden stool? The golden stool only means money to the white man. They have searched and dug everywhere for it. I shall not pay one predwan to the governor. If you, the chiefs of Asante, are going to behave like cowards and not fight, you should exchange your loincloths for my undergarments. Oh, snap. Boom. I like that. She's like, I'll be the man if I fucking have to. Yeah, like... She, I mean, she's basically calling them like a bunch of pussies. Yeah. And, and she's like, you're women. I'm like, yeah, because of course to them, that's an insult. Yeah. She's emasculating them and challenging their, their man, their manhood. And she's like, Hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm the girl here. And even I'm like tougher than you right Right. now. So as if this verbal mic drop wasn't enough, yay grabbed a gun and fired a shot in front of the other leaders. Like, I think he just shot into the the area, but like, Instead of dropping the mic, she shoots into the sky. She's like, exchange your loincloths for my undergarment. Boom. I like that. <laughs> and like, honestly, how do you argue with that? Right. Like, that's one of those things that afterward, everyone's just silent because they're yeah. like, I don't know what to say. So the other leaders agreed and appointed Ye to be their war leader. They're like, oh, this bitch is serious. Let us do it. And this made her the first and only woman war leader in Ashanti history. Thus, the fifth and final Anglo-Ashanti War began, also known as the War of the Golden Stool or the Ye-Ashantiwa War. Because this is a war named after her. Yeah. Yeah. But like in a cool way. (laughs) Right. Like this isn't like Helen of Troy where the war is started because of her, because she got kidnapped. This is. It's because she's the the war leader. Yep. So Ye led her army of 5,000 in a siege against the British fort, fort in Kumasi, which still stands today as uh, the Kumasi Fort and Military Museum. Wow. So, you know, kids are like going on field trips there and having a way better childhood than I am. Yeah, that sounds really <laughs> Like, how fun. neat is that? So the siege lasted for months until a force of 1,400 British soldiers were sent to quash the rebellion. Jesus. During the assault, Ye and 15 of her closest advisors were captured and exiled to the Seychelles. It was kind of interesting hearing like everyone exiled to the Seychelles because this is like a popular like tourist destination. destination. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I think um I think Prince Harry went, went there for yeah. his his honeymoon or no, maybe it was William. But like rich, super famous people go, go there. there to vacation. Yeah, it's and it's insane. like we're gonna exile you to a paradise. But it's it sucks because you're being forced out of your home and your country and your land. So the rebellion left 1,000 British soldiers dead and 2,000 Ashanti soldiers dead. Ye spent the rest of her life in exile and died on October 17, 1921. She was unable to witness her dream of an Ashanti empire free from British rule, which is sad, like a really sad way to end this. The exiled Ashanti emperor made sure that Ye and all exiled Ashanti leaders were given a royal burial in their homeland. Which I thought was really sweet because they're, they're all being forced out by British invaders. But the exiled emperor is like, no, no, we are still 
all in this together and you deserve to be buried in your own home and not in exile. Britain would maintain control over the Gold Coast until Ghana achieved independence on March 6th. Oh, shit, that's today. Yeah. Oh, shit. Good job. Oh, my God. And like I said, this episode was supposed to be like a week or so ago. Yeah, the day we're recording this is the day that Ghana got their independence in 1957, which seems like way too recent. Like, really? Really? Come on. Come on. This made Ghana the first African nation in sub-Saharan Africa to gain their independence. Can you imagine? Like, okay, we're like, oh, 1957. That's not that long ago. And they're the first in that region to get their independence. Yeah. From European, like, colonizers. Like, what? Good God. Legacy. While we may have never heard of Ye Asantiwa, which is a crime because her name is literally Yay. She is a hero in Ghana for defying the British invaders. And there is even a song about her that goes, Yea Santiwa, the woman who fights before cannons. You have accomplished great things. You have done well. Wow. I bet it sounds like better in the, the original language. But Probably. They're, they're definitely to the point. They're like, you're fighting before cannons. You accomplished a, b- a bunch of cool stuff. You have done well. <laughs> That'll do. Yay. That'll do. The Yea Santiwa Girls Secondary School was established in Kumasi in 1960, and I bet they have a school trip to the fort that Yea laid siege to in the same city every fucking year. Yeah, they have to, right? Like, that's got to be part of their bylaws or something. In 2000, a week-long celebration was held in Yea's honor, which included a museum being dedicated to her. Tragically, the museum suffered a fire, which destroyed her sandals and battle dress that can be seen in photographs of her. Wow. So like her actual clothes got destroyed in this fire and it's just the biggest fucking bummer. There is also a bust of Ye outside of the museum, which it looks like was spared from the fire, which is good. And there is even an African Caribbean Arts and Community Center in West London called the Yea Santiwa Center that was established in 1986. So I thought that was kind of cool that even in, you know, the cultural heart of the nation that pushed her out of her home, they're, they're acknowledging her. Yeah. You know? But yeah, that is the story of Yea Santiwa, who... Uh, stood up and was like, fuck you, Britain, <laughs> and led led a war against them. Yeah. I thought it was a cool story, though. That is. I really like that. Also, like, the whole anti-colonization thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. fuck them. Get it, yay. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to do one big, not really spoiler warning, um, trigger warning. My um, story is centered around um, verbal assault and attempted sexual assault and stuff like that. So if you don't want to hear any of that, you could probably just end the episode now. We'll see you next week. Because it's, yeah, it's about that. So I'm a little, I'm a little sad that I went first now just because I feel like we're going to end on a super bummer note. No, no, it ends, it ends good. Um, I kind of, I guess, well, you'll let, let me know at the end. Okay. We'll all, we'll all do a like live poll of our feelings. Um, okay, so I'm covering Lois Jensen. Okay. Okay. 
Um, and this is just going to be like literally the middle of her life because I couldn't find anything about the beginning. So she, she was born. An average. She person. was a child at some point, probably. Right. Unless this is some Benjamin Button thing. So in the boxes of uh, memorabilia from the time that she was a minor, Lois Jensen has a photograph showing a slim blonde woman, almost completely obscured by grimy overhaul overalls, hard hat, goggles, and an innovation she called all her own, a bulky waistcoat. She says, quote, this was my armor. This extra layer was meant to provide protection, not from industrial accidents in the mine, but from her fellow miners. Oh, mining was in Lois's blood, though. The Masabi Iron Range, which is in northern Minnesota. <gasps> oh, we're in Minnesota. Yeah. OK, you told me that before we started recording, but I totally forgot. So then I got excited again. So this is all happening in northern Minnesota. Okay. It has one of the richest seams of iron ore on the planet. And mines once produced almost all of American iron and steel from that area. Lois's father, Lois's father, two brothers, brother-in-law, all worked in the mines up there. And after school, Lois um, first took a secretarial job in what people... In what people here in the States um, call the cities. So she actually went to Minneapolis and St. Paul. Okay, yeah. But seriously, even living in Rochester, which is southern Minnesota, that's what they call it. They call it the cities. And I'm like, you know, like... And nowadays, it's not just the two cities that are included in the cities. It's like the two cities and all of the surrounding suburbs. Yeah, so like I learned the that cities adjacent. When I moved down here, because when I obviously lived in the cities, I could say, oh, I'm from like this suburb and people would know. Mm-hmm. But down here, like I would say, oh, I'm from, you know, what the suburb I'm from. People would be like, what? And I'm like, I'm from the cities. I learned yep. like if they're not from that area. Just say the cities because it doesn't matter. Yep. And then when you find someone else from the cities, you can be like, oh, I'm from this area. And they're like, I'm from this area. And it's really exciting. And then Which you is dumb because it's married. within the same state. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so she moved 200 miles south to work in the cities as a, secret- a secretary. Um, during this time, she got pregnant after a date rape and had a son. <gasps> oh, honey. I know. What, what time frame is this? Um, what year are we in? It doesn't say. Oh, I shit. Uh, it's 70s. 60s oh, or 70s, so, so 19, in that time, okay. 1960s or 70s. Oh, poor thing. Um, She would go on to have a relationship with another man, become pregnant for a second time, and he would leave her. By the time oh, she damn. was 27, she was back on the Iron Range, a single mother working for minimum wage at a credit union. Now and again, a female miner would come in to pay cash or to cash a check, and she realized that these checks were several times what she earned. In 1975, she heard that the Eveleth Mines were hiring. The first thing she did was go and apply. She was among the first women ever to be hired by the Eveleth Mine, the mine company. So, like, there were other women miners, but not within this company, and she was yeah. one of the first. And she said, quote, it was really about getting a better paying job with benefits. I didn't go there to bring up issues. I just wanted to make a decent life for my family. Because remember, she's a single mother with two children. Yeah. So Lois started working for the Eveleth Mines um, at the Forbes Fairlane plant in 1975. She, as I said, she was one of the first female employees hired there. Um, and she was making what they considered a good wage at that time, which was $5.50 an hour. I didn't look up the conversion. <laughs> and the, um, she did get benefits, including health insurance. So, you know, this was an opportunity she didn't pass up. 
Um, The male miners, however, saw her as a threat, and Jensen said that they looked at her like they'd never seen a woman before. Oh, no. On her second day of working in the mines, one of the men told her that she didn't belong there, and if she knew what was good for her, she'd go home where she belonged. Jesus Christ. At the beginning, outnumbered 600 to 4, Lois and her other female co-workers were called bitches, whores, and sluts. Men would expose themselves to the women, and there was relentless abuse both uh, verbally and emotionally, as well as being threatened almost daily with rape and physical assault. That is so fucking disgusting. Right. Who the fuck is just like, yeah, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to rape. I know. Oh, yeah. As much as Lois was not okay with any of this, she was taking home more than three times what she had made and couldn't pass it up. You know, you know, what's kind of interesting about this is immediately I'm thinking of the whole argument of like, well, if you're not getting paid enough or if you don't like your job or if it's not providing for you the way you need it to get a better job. Oh, she fucking did. And it's and she's emotionally. Being, it's terrible. She's being terrorized yeah. by her coworkers who she has to work with underground in some not super chill conditions where like no one's going to be held accountable for it. No one is being held accountable for their actions already. Right. Lois would go on to to hold different jobs within the mine, including driving trucks, oil operating equipment, working as an electrician's helper and as a draftsman. Some of the men in the mines would become her friend. However, these small compensation, these were very small compensations for almost daily indignities. There were no female bathrooms in the mines and most of the areas like contained within it. And when the women complained about this to management, they were told to get over it because the men didn't need bathrooms. Why would the women? Wait, no, because the men have bathrooms. The men don't need. So are you telling me these are the lady bathrooms over here with the plumbing and whatnot? (laughs) The giant trough. When women would go to the bathroom, the men would time them just for laughs. Jesus Christ. Um, so not only were like their fellow co-workers terrible, management would keep pinup girls in the office. Regular miners would plaster the plant with graffiti showing the women they were working with in sexual positions. Nooses were hung over the females' workstations. Oh, my God. Some of the women would find semen deposited on their clothes when they would return after the, like, at the end of the day oh to their lockers. Oh, my God. One woman was threatened with being thrown into a pit when she refused a coworker's sexual advances. A few of them were even stalked off the job site. Like, when they went home, the men would follow them. One Lois was one of these and woke up one night in the house um, she shared with her young son to find one of the miners she worked with had broken in. Ew, no! Yeah. Oh my God. And this is a woman who's already been through trauma because she was raped and then right. became pregnant as a result and her son, of that. her son was home. Yeah, and she's now she's got her children there with her and yeah. some how, creep how from work who's already like threatening to murder or rape her breaks into her house. Right. And unfortunately, even as more women were getting hired, the conditions did not approve. In fact, Lois said, quote, every time a woman would come in, she would be tested in the same way. And then if she went along with any of the advances, they would come back and retest those who had been there already. It was a it was a retraining process every single time. Oh, my God. In 1983, a senior male engineer started sending suggestive letters to Lois. He started stalking her and and he also broke into her home. So I, I just want to say something super quick. This is not like 
what's happening here is not that this mining company (laughs) has just happened (coughs) to hire a whole slew of sexual predators. No, this is just how men acted. This is, this is the culture. And then, you know, men are acting inappropriately and then reinforcing that and encouraging others to act that way. This is what we talk about when we're talking about rape culture. It's not that everyone's a rapist. It's that the culture not only permits it, but encourages that kind of behavior. So, yeah, yeah, like I said, like, like this isn't just, oh, well, this mining company just had like a bunch of creeps on the payroll. No, no, this is just how it was. And and they're all encouraging each other and no one's being held accountable. Jesus Christ. So this engineer that broke into her house also threatened her son. Oh my um, God. And Lois, after this, would go on to complain to the ma- to the mine and the management, but they would offer her no help. Yeah. Even now, Lois isn't sure why she would come forward to make her the first women- woman to take on Eveleth Mines. Maybe it was because she was a little more worldly than some other women. You know, she would read a lot and she favored a lot of self-help books over what most women read in those days, which was romance novels. Mm-hmm. And while Lois may not have been aware of the changes that were underway in the 1970s, she insists that her motivations were simple. She just wanted it to be easier to go to work. Quote, this wasn't about sexual harassment or being able to work knowing you were going to, it was about being able to go to work knowing you were going to be able to come home safely, but also that you could go to work knowing that you wouldn't be grabbed or raped or have verbal abuse. There were times I felt so terrible about myself on the job that I couldn't stand it. I I don't think I would have lasted a day. Right. I don't oh, think yeah, I would have no, lasted would have turned a around single and gone day. Home. But you know what? Her motivation is that she's trying to support her family. She she's exactly. kind of she's kind of put in that position where she doesn't have much of a choice. Exactly. Almost. So Lois, when Lois finally made her decision, um, you know, it just came from being sick of everything that was going on. Um, she knew it had to end. The final straw was when the, the union sided with the management after refusing to intervene after her uh, supervisor attacked her. Quote, he grabbed my wrists, came around the desk and pushed me into the chair. He was kneeling over me and he put both of my wrists in one hand. It was really hurting me. And with the other, he was trying to get at my body. The whole thing probably took 15 minutes, but it felt much longer and was absolutely terrifying. 15 minutes is an incredibly long time. When you're in that situation trying to fight your way out. I I was just going to say, even 15 minutes, like, that's a really long time. Right. So after that happened, Lois filed a complaint against when management wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, She filed a a complaint against the Eveleth Taconite Company to the Minnesota Human Rights Commissions in 1984. What seemed at first like a strong victory was only the start of her legal battles with her employee. The state found probable cause and ordered that Eveleth create and enforce a sexual harassment policy and pay the penalty of $11,000. The mine, however, refused to pay the damages, and the harassment continued as the case dragged on for the following 14 years. 14 years? Right. Oh, my God. So in addition to forcing the mine to adopt a sexual harassment policy, the state of Minnesota awarded Lois $6,000 in punitive damages and $5,000 for mental anguish. The mine's management company agreed to create a workplace policy but refused to pay those damages. Okay, this always blows my mind when you hear about companies actually getting held accountable for their inappropriate behavior or policies. And they don't do anything. Yeah. They're, they're like, Oh, you have to pay this. And then they just never do. And it right. drags out. And I'm like, okay, 
the government can literally garnish my wages if I didn't pay my taxes or if I'm in debt or that kind of thing. You're telling me that the government can't just take money from these guys when they have been court ordered to because they were found guilty of something? Right. What? Also, like, shouldn't that go up? Like, okay, you, you have by this time to pay the money. Oh, yeah, you or missed you the have deadline? To, you have to pay more. Yeah. Like concert tickets. The closer it gets, the more expensive they get. Yeah. Fuck. I, uh, you know, don't get back to my car within two minutes of the meter running out and I get a ticket. Yeah, exactly. But, oh, no, these big companies, you know, we have to be so nice and sensitive to them because, you know, they're creating a, you know, workplace that's basically just rape culture on steroids. Exactly. Jesus. So when the company wouldn't pay and things didn't get better, um, Lois started calling lawyers. She had to call 50 lawyers before she found one that would take her case. Oh, my God. Um, She would eventually fight, hire Paul Spreger in 1988, and they would charge Eveleth Mines again. This was given a class action status, which means um, it affects multiple people. Like, you know, you get those, like, letters in the mail that are like, you took this drug, and now there's a class action suit. You can be part of it. Yeah. Um, that's cla- basically being a class action suit just means there is a large number of people with a common interest in a matter that is suing another group. Yeah. I think so I get- even though it's starting with just Lois, you know, they're like, there's other women that are being affected by this. So if they want to join our cause, they can. Kind of I thing. think I got one of those with Verizon because they were found guilty of purposely like yep. slowing down older phones to force you to upgrade. One time I just got <laughs> sent five bucks. Cause it, there was like a suit against, I don't even remember what, but. Like they, they won the class action suit. And since technically I was affected by it, my chunk of it was five bucks. And I was like, all right, whatever. There you go. Um, so this, this um, class action suit was the first class action suit for sexual harassment. Like full stop. Ever? Yep. In the United States? Yep. Full stop. And this is in the 70s. Yep. Or maybe uh, 1988. Oh my God. Yep. So and you know this shit was happening constantly. It was just, right. but it was just part of the culture. It was just what you did and what you had to put up with. Right. So when, when they first took the, when Paul first took the case, there was only three women um, willing to be part of the case. Lois and, uh, Lois and two other women. Uh, the other women working for the mine feared losing their jobs or suffering even more abuse from their male coworkers. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to acknowledge that because there are a lot of instances where if something like this is going on or even in cases of like just sexual yep. assault against an individual, well, why didn't they come for repercussions? There's a lot of shit that goes into this. And also what Lois has put up with just up until this point is so mentally and emotionally taxing. And then you're still having to go into work with those creeps say, Lo- every Lois, fucking Lois day. Lois is still working for the mine at, at in 1988. Yeah. Yeah, so. And I just want to cut off anyone who's like, well, why didn't she quit? Because she needs the money and because this shouldn't be allowed to happen regardless. Yeah. Because, men, like, if you're okay with how those men are behaving, there's something wrong with you as a human being. Right. So four years into hiring um, Spreeger, Paul, I think I said his name was. Yep. Yep. Um, Lois would quit working at the mines, um, mainly because she was struggling with post-traumatic stress uh-huh. um, and depression, which mainly because of the sexual harassment forced on her and her coworkers. Um, and remember, this is all just because she wanted a better life. She wasn't asking for special treatment. She just wanted a fair work environment and common 
decency and respect. She just wanted to not be threatened with murder and rape while at work. Right. Oh, God. She's asking for so much. So in 1992, part of the trial was held. It was the part called the liability trial. Did you say 1992? Yeah. We were one year old. We're alive now. Remember, it took 14 years for this to play out. Good God. So this was like a two-part trial. So this is the first part of the trial. It's the lie. Like, was the mind liable? That's the part of the trial we're on. Yeah. Um, They were found liable. Good. Shocker. (laughs) Um. They were found responsible for not preventing the abuse that the women endured. And so now they, and not establishing a sexual harassment policy the first time they were asked. So now they had to establish a sexual harassment policy. And because they won the liability suit, more women came and joined the suit um, as it went into the, the damages section. Okay. So this was, this is kind of where like the litigation comes in to see how much, you know, they owe so this was is a this super in- long litigation phase. This is basically the next like 10 years almost. I was going to say, is this in addition to this shit that they refused to pay the first time and no one held them accountable Probably. for paying that? Um, so during this litigation, um, a, a retired judge was appointed as the magistrate. <laughs> basically, they were like, you have to come out of retirement and handle this. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and they allowed the defense attorneys. This is the worst part, though. I don't like this judge because they allowed the defense attorney. So the, the mine company essentially to collect and review the women's medical records and, and, and allowed them to treat these women to intense interrogations regarding their personal history, including their sexual history, which I'm like, none of that has any bearing on what is going on. You know, it is, it's legal slut shaming. They're like, oh, well, you've had sex with three different men, or you have children from two different men, so you right. must have been asking for it. So they were treating you like a whore because you are one. So Pat Cosmatch, who was one of the other women in the suit with Lois, developed ALS during the trial oh my and was God. hospitalized. The defense attorneys burst into her hospital room, demanding to see her medical records and trying to dispose her, even though she had already lost the ability to speak because of ALS. Oh, my God. So they were like, answer our questions. And like, she can't. This actually reminds me a lot of the radium girls with, you know, slut shaming them, blaming them for their own, the, the, the consequences of the company's behavior. And then, yeah, harassing these women when they're sick. Or dying. Right. Isn't that terrible? Oh my God. So all of this litigation resulted in a 416 page report um, that was published, publicly published, that included the women's personal medical and sexual history. history Oh my God. And called them histrionic. So histrionic is a word that basically means that these women, they basically call them excessively dramatic and emotional. Basically they're hysterical. Yeah. They basically pulled out the whole, Oh, they're just women. They're hysterical. Like that's why they're saying that this happened. It's not as bad as they're saying. I would also be a little hysterical if a noose was being hung over my workstation and I came into work to find some dudes jizz all over my stuff. So they were initially awarded only $10,000. Jesus Christ. However, these acts, like when when their lawyer Paul found, like found out what was happening to these women and how terrible it was, it fucking blew up in the defense's face. They brought it to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. So, like, 
that they were awarded ten thousand dollars in the initial trial, and then Paul was basically like, "Uh, no." So they brought it to the court of appeals, and they they won the appeal, and they were granted a new trial with a jury this time instead of just a judge that's an asshole. So in nineteen ninety eight. Um, seven we can speak in complete sentences the eveleth mine company would settle out of court for 3.5 million dollars so because lois was bold enough to seek change and to ask her employer to do better and to ask her fellow workers to try harder that's what happened it wasn't just her fight um lois was basically just the right woman at the right time to start this change um, she said, quote, I did not set out to change the world, the company, the union or the workplace or to make a statement for the feminist movement. She basically just started out to do make it better for herself, like not yeah. selfishly, like, but but yeah, know. like, hey, it's kind of bullshit that I'm coming into work and being threatened with murder and rape and guys are flashing their dicks at me and then right. coming on my clothes and like, maybe, maybe this shouldn't be happening. It's very right. uncomfortable. <laughs> Jesus. Can you like that kind of behavior is something that I feel like if we're telling a story from the 1800s. I'm like, okay, yeah, people were really awful. This was not that yeah, long this ago. Yeah, when we were alive. I actually, so, you know, all uh, this behavior was starting out in like the 70s. I wrote that story about my mom that also took that, place yeah, in the 70s. It was common. And her boss literally, like she was complaining because a client was propositioning her for sex and her ba- boss was basically like, hey, you do what you gotta do. Like, if you gotta sleep with him, do it. Go, yeah. So yeah. he so her boss er, is whoring her out to clients. Like I mean there that there's a reason that a lot of women were accused of sleeping up the ladder. It's because it did happen a lot. I, and not not because the women were actually doing it, but because it was literally like their only sometimes it was their only option to keep their job. My mom's boss literally tried terrible. to kiss her. Like in the hallway, like they were, they were talking about something and he just tried to kiss her and she backed up against a wall and looked horrified. And he was like, oh, I just thought this, that's what oh, was you're, supposed to happen. Oh, you mean you're, you're not into me kissing you in the workplace when I'm your boss? Yeah. Right. Why is it's it that terrible. the onus is on the women and not the men who yeah. actually have the power? So while Lois may not think of herself as a hero, her courage and sacrifice changed the world for the better for women in the workplace and honestly, to me, that is the definition of hero. Oh, my God. And I think we owe a debt of gratitude to Lois for her bravery and perseverance in this case. She stood up and said that this treatment is wrong. Company And, and now companies institute and enforce sexual harassment policies. They educate men and women on, per, on proper workplace behavior. And women and men may pursue legal action equally if there is workplace abuse. And that's the other thing. This, you know, uh, in this story, obviously, it's the men victimizing the women. Right. Every but it goes both ways. single person, regardless of their sex or gender or whatever, deserves to be free from sexual harassment in the workplace. Right. It's so, so basic. So Can something you also need it? to remember is because of this struggle, Lois lost friends um, she lost time with her family. Uh, she was racked by guilt for accepting a settlement rather than fighting for a highly public trial. And she also felt a sense of loss. Quote, you were involved in a struggle for so long, looking forward to the trial, and all of a sudden, it was over. Literally, it says, she, that's what she did in the interview. She um, 
Lois still remains disappointed that the lawyer settled, you mm-hmm. know, but unfortunately that is a lawyer's you don't get a choice really. Like if your lawyers in a case like that, yeah. you don't get a choice. Well, in uh and the, like, in and the radium was, girls, they also settled yeah. because that was kind of what was best for them. Exactly. And it, you you don't get to judge. You don't get to judge them. No. Well, and like I said, a lot of times it's not the people when it's a class action suit, it's not the people that are choosing to settle. It's the mm-hmm. lawyers. Yeah. Um, and so like I said, she was super disappointed. She felt guilty that they settled instead of, you know, did a highly public trial. So like she had a lot of feelings about this. Um, and apparently there was a book written about it. Well, written about the minors um, mm-hmm. called Class Action, and it wasn't really, it didn't portray the women in a very favorable light. Oh, um, come on. You're going to write a book about this and the women come off as the assholes? Right. But then Hollywood came calling to on Lois. Hollywood came calling to Lois. Oh. And Lois's story is the inspiration for a film called North Country. Um, it actually won, ugh, I'm trying to think of what her name was. I didn't write it down. But the person... Charlize Theron? Yeah. It won her an award. Charlize Theron's awesome. Yeah. So the book is written loosely, or the movie is written loosely on Jensen's story. Um, And, like, it's kind of a culmination of all the different women, but that's what it's based on is that. And what was neat is they actually invited uh, Lois to come and watch them film scenes and gave her her own director's chair. And Lois said, quote, these people treated us with respect and they gave us a feeling that we, what we did was important. Lois absolutely loved the film. And more than two decades after she had first gone to work for the Eveleth Mines, Lois finally feels that she can claim her life. Quote, the movie gave me back my life. Oh. In April 2006, um, Hibbing, Minnesota, which is a, a northern city in Minnesota. Up north. Up north. Um, <laughs> they have a chapter of the American Association of University Women, and they held a ceremony honoring the women workers of the Eveleth Mines who filed the first class action lawsuit. Their story, um, like I said, became a, um, that basis for the North Country and the National Women's History Museum president at the time, Susan Jolie, actually wrote a letter to the women commending their, their efforts. And this letter was read at a ceremony and each of the women received a copy of this letter. Each woman also uh, was pre- presented with an NWHM, so the National Women's History Museum, I think. Yep. Um, with the button that said, well-behaved women rarely make history. They all got their little bun, got a copy of the letter, and they were honored. Um, I'm pretty sure she's still alive. She was only 57 in 2006, and she was still up living in the Iron Range. But if she was 57 in 2006, I would assume she's still alive. I couldn't find anything saying that she's dead, but I couldn't. The sad thing is I couldn't really find anything on her life in general. Like, all the stories were about the trial. Right. And then about the movie, but. Yeah, so that's Lois Jensen and the story of, if not the United States' first class action lawsuit, Minnesota's, against sexual harassment. My God. Yeah, I didn't, it's funny because I didn't originally realize it was in Minnesota. I just came across her and I was like, ooh, this is the first sexual harassment lawsuit. Like, that's huge and I want to cover it. And then, yeah, I was reading and I was like, Evelyn's Mine Company in Minnesota. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. I, you know, you know what really... Uh, that whole story is very upsetting 
in a lot of ways. And I'm glad that, you know, Lois and the other women were able to get some compensation well, I'm glad and she some was closure. Able to stand up because imagine yeah. if women hadn't. Like, exactly. Where would we be today if people hadn't stood up? And, you know, that's all it takes is one person to get the ball rolling mm-hmm. and to, you know, I'm, and I'm glad that after that first time, like when they settled, but then didn't pay, like, I'm glad she didn't just sit down and shut up. Like I would have a really hard, too. I feel like I'd be so exhausted. I would have a really hard time being like, oh shit, now I gotta do this. I gotta do it again. Right. But I'm so glad that she didn't. I, I agree that I think she is a hero, even though she doesn't view herself as one, like there, you know, there's Heroes a good chance there wouldn't do. be like a me too <laughs> movement if, you know, like I said, it takes that first person to stand up and get the ball rolling, you know, I mean, just imagine like if no one had stood up until, until now, like how much yeah. worse things could have been. It reminds me a little bit of the, the Wilmer eight, because that was also, I believe in the seventies when the feminist movement yep. was really big, second wave feminism and the women didn't associate themselves with feminism or see themselves as feminists. They're just like, we just want to like get equal pay for doing the same fucking job as the guys or like guys who are just starting or getting more than us. And we've been here for 10 years and then they kind of realize like, Oh, that that's what feminism is about. And Lois is basically just like, I just want a safe workplace. Yeah, no. And it's, it's you're really asking for so little, right? She's just like, I just want to be treated. That's what I love. Like, I love that one part that I wrote that I was just like, she's not looking for anything huge. She literally just wants common decency and respect. Yeah. That's all she's asking for. She's not asking for, you know, special treatment. That's that's yeah. my thing is she's not asking for anything special. Like That's what breaks my heart. She just yeah. wants, like, what is everyone's basic right of being treated like a goddamn human being. You know what? Not a piece of meat. You know what's really upsetting about this? I just can't stop thinking about it. So the the company was held accountable in some way where they had to pay all that money. But you know what? And ha- and had to create a sexual harassment thing right. that they never enforced until they got brought to court for a second time. But it wasn't like the president of the company was going onto the work site and sexually harassing these women personally. Like, obviously, no, it was, it was, it was also common people. minors. It was obviously, you know, the people in power, too. But all of those people who were flashing their genitalia at these women, hanging nooses above their workstations. Oh, yeah. Nothing actually happened to them. Coming on their stuff. These people are all just still out in the world doing their thing. And I have a really hard time believing they've all had this like moment of clarity where they're like, oh God, that wasn't okay. And that is honestly the scariest fucking part about it. That these are just normal people walking around who are sexual predators. The men who didn't think it was okay were probably those men that, you know, she did become friends Mm -hmm. with. And, you know, but that was the minority. Yeah. Like, can, can you imagine grandpa's telling you a story about a time he was, you know, threatening one of his female coworkers? Like, oh, I'm going to rape oh, you. No, it was fine. She thought it was funny. Breaking into her house. Yeah. Stalking How her. Creepy. And it's because the, the culture at the workplace this is, made this okay. This is why you carry it. a dick around in your fucking pocket. Remember we had the one person that cut off the, the dick and put it in her coworker's oh God, lab coat? That's right. This this is why you this is why women had to do stuff like that though. It was it's a because, cadaver, guys. She yeah, didn't it was like, a cadaver. But like that's <laughs> she was getting harassed 
you know, in her workplace. And she was like, fucking stop harassing me. Here's a penis in your lab coat. Fuck you. Oh my God. I forgot about that. And you tried to move on from it so casually. I was like, no, 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 no. I am not over this. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. And and like, honestly, that kind of culture can turn very average people into total monsters. Right. And so I think that's what my I'm thankful for this week is, is that I'm thankful for women like Lois and the Wilmerate and all of those women that in a time where it was women need to shut, like sit down, shut up and be quiet, that they were like, no, because this isn't okay. Women, everyone deserves to be treated the same. Everyone deserves to be treated with decency and respect and not have to fear going to work or fear leaving work for someone following them home. Right. And your coworker, like it's not some creepy client. That is what I am thankful for. I am thankful for, you know, that while the world may not be fantastic today, it is better than it was. And we are working toward improvement. And I am thankful that people are willing to stand up and say, this is wrong. Dude, can I just co-opt your thankfulness? Because I feel like you just, you mic drop that shit. I can't think of anything better. Like we're both thankful for that. Well, And even like, um, obviously, so like the, the story I wrote about my mom was not the, the, what she experienced was not this severe, but it was commonplace, but it was commonplace. And honestly, after what my mom was telling me, I was like, mom, the, like the fact that you were never actually like, full-on sexually assaulted blows my mind because there were a lot of people who were like bridging right that where they're like about to and then they like think better of it it was it was really creepy so many people both men and women like that women don't realize what they went through was sexual assault because it was so commonplace like it was normal that your boss was like you're gonna sleep with me and that you know yeah it was normal for your boss to try to kiss you in the the hallway of the office Yeah. Or, you know, I've heard stories that, yeah, like the boss would follow women into the bathroom and it was normal. Yeah. Like my my mom has one story where she was at, I don't know, some kind of like conference or event. It was in this hotel and she's like, okay, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to turn in for the night. And one of, I think it was like a male superior, but he's like, oh, I'll 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 be nice. I'll walk you back. I'll walk you to your room. Which sounds nice. But here's the thing. This is why if someone says that, I'm always like, no. Unless it's a woman. <laughs> yeah. It's it's shit like this. So you can't be mad at me. Be mad at all the creeps that made it creepy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she gets to her door and she's like, okay, cool. Good night. He's, he he looks so confused. He's like, what? You're, you're not going to let me in? You're not inviting me with you? Yeah. yeah like and how many like, women though? What? I want to know. How many women when Emily was like, oh yeah, um, a guy coworker was like, oh, I'll walk you back. How many women just involuntarily like shivered or went, oh, we all, yeah, no, we all kind of had that. We're like, oh, I know where this is going. Right. Because we've all kind of been there yeah. in one way or and that, another. That's the thing. Like it, it's less commonplace these days, but there is still that stigma of you, you know, yeah, you don't go like, unless you're with another woman. You don't want a male coworker walking you back to your room because here's the thing. Even if you don't do anything, who's to say that he's not going to go back to your coworkers and brag that something happened? Yeah, yeah. Or if something, if uh, you know, they do something inappropriate, right? Or they commit a sex a sex crime against you. Well, she should have known. Well, she should have known. She she let him walk her back to her room. Oh, she had a few drinks. Who's to say she didn't say yes in the time? Yeah. No, it's 
So I just, and it's one of those things like not all men are predators. Not not everyone is a predator, but the consequences of being wrong are so severe that you just, you don't want to risk it. Right. And then the accountability is so low. And here's the thing, both men and women, because I've heard of female bosses doing similar things. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid, especially if it's a boss or someone in higher power, don't be afraid to stand up and say something because there's a good chance if they did it to you, they did it to someone else. Yeah, like- we, we love y'all and you're special, but you're not that special. Predators prey on everyone. Right. Stand They're up, fucking the worst. Stand up and say something. You're the fucking worst. Ugh. Sorry, I'm I know, I feel like, I feel like worked we, up. Like, I feel like we shouldn't do our normal outro, but that's where we're at right now. All right. Well, deep breath Thank in. Thank you for listening. Deep breath out. Let's all just try to be kind to each other. All right? Let's mm-hmm. all just try to be appropriate. It really is super fucking easy to be cool to each other. It's the easiest thing in the world. I Just don't know why it's hard for treat people. Treat everyone with decency and respect. Yeah. And that like they're another human being. Yeah. That's all we ask. Yeah. And if you're like, oh, why is that girl being standoffish to me? Just assume, hey, dude, it's probably not don't about you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know what? It's fine. Anyway, thank you for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Uh, like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAH Pod, so you can see all of our like giveaway stuff. Yeah. Twitter at WAH underscore pod. You can also see the giveaway stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, our website is whiningaboutherstory.com. Our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com, where we would love to hear from you, and we have been hearing from some of you. Miss mm-hmm. um, Chattanooga. Uh, I think it was <laughs> Mr. Was it? I know. Actually, I don't know. we it, didn't it get we didn't get their pro- native, so I apologize. We didn't get their pronouns. So Chattanooga native, Chattanooga native. Oh my god, Chattanooga native. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We can't even it's pronounce too much coffee. The city. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you for everyone who's been emailing us. Um, and we have merch. It is on our website. You can go. Um, buy it. Like Emily said, we're having a sale until uh, Wednesday. So go buy some merch. Do it, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Also, I will try to be better about looking up on that and posting sooner, but this is why you need to follow us on the social meds. Social meds. Social meds. Also, please rate us five stars wherever you listen, which now includes Spotify, which y'all have been showing up on Spotify, and I am very grateful for it. Yay. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye.